Hi, you're listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist Church. These resources are not designed to take the place of a local church, but we hope they will encourage you on your journey with Christ. For more information about how you can connect with the Second Family, visit mysecond.family. This sermon was delivered live at our West Conway campus. Thanks for listening. I read a story about a man named David Masaryk. David Masaryk is a, is a dude from Michigan, and one day he's watching the news, and he heard on the news that meteors are worth a lot of money. All right? Meteors are worth a lot of money. And he had a meteor, a pretty large one, about 23 pounds, that for several decades he was using for a doorstop, a doorstop there at his house. It had been used for several decades as a doorstop in the house that he purchased. Uh, The story goes that he bought this barn and the guy who owned the barn uh, said that he had this big rock, this meteor that they had uh, pulled out of a field one day. And so just gave him the meteor, right? Just gave him this big rock. And so he takes it to Michigan uh, Central University, University of Central Michigan. I don't, I don't know the name of it. I, it, I keep thinking of UCA, but uh, Michigan's Central University there and discovers that the 23-pound rock doorstop was worth $100,000. That's a pretty expensive doorstop, right? Could you imagine being the person who discovers that the thing that you have been using, the thing that is sitting on the ground that maybe you stubbed your toe on a couple of times was a 23-pound, $100,000 meteor? Could you imagine that? Furthermore, could you imagine being the guy who watches the news one day and finds out that that rock that you gave the guy who bought your barn is now worth $100,000? He just gave a treasure away, this thing that could change most people's lives. He just gave it away like it did not even matter. What if I told you that you have in your possession right now, you own a treasure, worth far more than $100,000, a treasure that has changed the world, a treasure that is so very valuable, a divine gift from God, more famous and valuable than any other treasure that you could ever hold. You have that. Last week, we spent some time talking about the way the Thessalonians church could weather hardships, that they could make it through difficult times because of what they knew and who they knew, the basic Christian doctrines and the church family. Today, what I want to do is unpack for just a little bit one of those basic Christian doctrines, one of the most foundational things that the early Thessalonian church believed, that we believe as Christians, that Christians worldwide believe, and that we specifically as Baptists hold very dear. I want to talk about the very basic idea of the Bible this truth, this word of God that we hold. In chapter 2, verse 13, Paul commends the Thessalonians. He thanks God for the way in which they received or welcomed the Bible. He is uh, excited about the way that they treated the word of God. Now, when Paul uses word of God in 1 Thessalonians, he is specifically referring to what we would shorthand call the gospel message. 
The story about Jesus, a broken humanity and how Jesus fixes that. But it's not just that. It extends further to the apostolic teachings about Jesus. Uh, The rest of the New Testament, the letters, the epistles, the acts of the apostles. It also extends to the underlying, the foundational truth that you find in the Old Testament. When we take the Old Testament that pointed toward Jesus, the Gospels, which are the life and the teachings of Jesus, the Epistles and the Acts, which are the apostolic teachings about Jesus, and Revelation, which is the, um, the, the coming uh, glorification of Jesus, the, the full recognition by all of creation of Jesus, we put all of that together. That is what we call the Bible. That thing that many of you are holding in your lap right now or reading on a phone. That's what I want to talk about this morning. Let's begin by reading one verse. This is going to be our focal verse this morning. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 13 says this. This is why we constantly thank God because when you received the word of God that you heard from us, you welcomed it. Not as a human message, but as it truly is the word of God which also works effectively in you who believe. Let's pray together. Like, like Paul says, he constantly thanked God. Let's thank God for the Bible and for one another. God, thank you for your Bible. Thank you for the words that you have delivered to us. God, I pray that we would be encouraged to treasure the Bible as this, um, as this immeasurably valuable resource that you have given us. God, I pray that we would receive it within our minds that we would accept it, welcome it as true within our hearts, and that, God, it would change our actions effectively working in our lives, that we would leave here today changed uh, on our perspective of what the Word of God is. God, I pray for those who are traveling and those who are with us, those who are visiting with us this morning. May this be a sweet time of fellowship. It's in Jesus' name that we pray together. Amen. What I want to do this morning, just looking at this one verse here, is Paul, like I said, commends them for the way that they received or welcomed or believed the Word of God. I want to focus on those three words. It's going to form the outline of today's discussion. You see it here, that they received, that they welcomed, and that they believed. Look at that first concept there. You received the Word of God that you heard from us. What we're going to do is just step out of the text a little bit, step out of the letter that is written here, and think deeply about the Bible, what it means to us, and what we believe about the Bible. We do not hold this as just any other book, but in a lot of ways, we have these uh, foundational doctrines. This first one that I want to discuss with you is called the preservation of the Bible, the preservation of the Bible. See, what the Thessalonians were being commended for was that they received in their minds that they, they, they collected this word. What that means is that by default, it means that the Thessalonian Christians, the early church, they did not create uh, uh, this idea. They did not think it up. They were given it. Paul says that he delivered that message to them. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, Paul says, That which I received from Jesus, I passed on to you. That he took these things and then he passed them on to the early church. That these messages in the Bible, in the Old Testament, New Testament, and the epistles are letters and, and, and teachings and thoughts that God inspired men to write. They wrote them down and that they have been preserved and passed on to us. 
We believe and hold this same thing to be true, the same thing that the Thessalonians believed. We can hold the Bible, the thing in your hands, as a unique document in that we believe that it has been protected and preserved by the Holy Spirit throughout time. That that which you hold in your hands is precious treasure. That it was passed down. It's not missing any portions of it. Uh, This author and this thinker named Tim Chalice, he wrote this. Listen to this quote. While thousands of years have passed since God breathed out the Old and the New Testament scriptures, they remain living, perfect word of God today. Though the scriptures have passed through countless scribes and in many forms from papyrus to paper to the phone that you hold, you can be confident that the word of God read today is the very word of God that he breathed out and written by the prophets and the apostles. Imagine this. Imagine that you, you go to a yard sale or a garage sale, you know, and there's some item there that you've been looking for, and the owner of the item tells you that this is uh, brand new. It's never been opened. It's, it, the box is completely sealed up, and it looks a little su- suspect to you, but, but you take it anyway. You buy it. It's at a great deal, right? You get the thing home, and you start to open up the box, and you find out that there are very important pieces missing, right? Maybe the box contains smaller boxes, and on the box it says one of three, two of three, And then there's no three of three, right? There's something important missing from that box. You would suspect, you would would be uh, untrusting of the person who sold it to you. Also, you would not be able to use the thing that you have. We believe that the Bible is complete, that it is total, that it has been preserved throughout all of history, and that what you hold in your hands is the preserved Word of God. That what you read in English today is the very same words that they read in Greek and Hebrew thousands of years ago. That in itself is worth valuing this book, that it is a treasure, that it is unlike any other treasure that we could hold. They accepted this within their minds. They received this in their minds, which is a very good place to start. Many of us began in that very same place. But it didn't just stay as a mental exercise. It wasn't just something that they thought. It went deeper. They internalized it. They brought that down into their hearts. Or what what Paul says is that they welcomed it. Not only did they receive it, but they also welcomed it, the Word of God, not as human message, but as it truly is, the Word of God. See, not only did they think this, that they brought it down into their hearts. They were picking up what Paul was putting down and internalizing it, bringing it inward and accepting it as true and trustworthy. Makes me think of this time that Bailey, one of our worship leaders, he came over to our house and our small dog growled at him the whole time. The whole time. And he doesn't do this to anybody else. It's just that the small dog, Landry, does not welcome Bailey into our house, right? We don't really care what Landry thinks anyways, so Bailey was allowed into our house. But that dog, for whatever reason, does not want Bailey in his personal space, in his internal area. That's the idea of welcoming, of bringing in, of internalizing it. If we were to believe that the Word of God, the Bible, is preserved throughout generations' history, that what we hold is is God's Word, and then we were to further believe and accept it as true and God's Word, that would by necessity have certain implications into our lives, right? It would imply certain realities. The first one is this, that God has spoken. 
If we believe that the Bible is the word of God, then we believe that God has communicated, that he has delivered a message to us. And it is an act of grace. God did not have to tell us where we came from, where we're going, our purpose in this life. He didn't have to tell us that, and yet he does. He communicates that through the Bible. He did not have to communicate to us the ideas of why the world around us is broken and why we are so broken and continue to participate in that. And yet he does in the Bible. This is an act of grace. Not only that God has told us why we are broken and that we are broken, but he also communicated to us very clearly and plainly what we need to do in order to fix that relationship. So God has communicated to us. If we believe that the Bible is the word of God, then you are saying that you believe that God has communicated to us. Secondly, and these build upon one another, but secondly, if we believe that God has communicated to us, then we should and ought to believe that it can be understood. That you can understand the Bible. This is, I think, really where a lot of us get tripped up. For whatever reason, throughout history and in your own life, there are times, I think, where we believe, I don't, like, I value the Bible. I love the Bible. I want to go to a church that preaches the Bible and teaches the Bible. I know all of that. But me personally, right, in my own living room or in my own devotional time, I can't understand this book. I can't understand it fully. There's some sort of feelings like, I don't want you to lift your hands or anything like this, but just in your own mind, answer this question. Have you ever felt like there is some sort of big gulf, some sort of big chasm between you and fully understanding the Bible? Like you need to have some sort of degrees or understand Greek and Hebrew to really understand what the Bible is saying. Listen, that's not true. In fact, I think that that is a, that's a flaw that our own flesh whispers to us or even Satan tells us in order for us to get derailed from studying and understanding the Bible. The Bible is no more difficult to understand than any piece of literature that you could pick up. It is just as clearly communicating as your Apple news feed. It is just as um, loving and doting as, as maybe reading the text message thread between a husband and a wife. And I know that those aren't always loving and doting, but you know, in general, they're loving and doting, that sort of thing. It is just as easy to understand as, a, as your favorite novel. It is just as serious and deep and gripping as long-form journalism, right? This is the Bible. It can be understood. I really do believe that many people struggle with applying the Bible to their lives or studying the Bible just because of that one concept. They go to it thinking I'm never going to really understand this thing. Not like, like a preacher does or, or somebody that writes commentaries, but you really can. I'm telling you, I truly believe this, that the vast majority of the Bible, like if you want to put some arbitrary statistic, like 99% of the Bible is just completely straightforward telling you what it is meaning. There's not any massive depth behind it. Uh, honestly, there are so many times where Pastor David and I are talking about the sermon and we are tempted to just stand up and read it and say, that, do that, and then just walk away. We feel silly trying to explain to you something that it just means. That's what the Bible means. You can welcome it as true. It is something that you can understand. So we believe that God has spoken. 
We believe that he has preserved his word, that it is truly the word of God that he has spoken and that it can be understand, understood. But furthermore, another implication means if we accept this as the word of God and not as a human message, then what that means is you do not have the authority nor the privilege to decide which parts of it you will accept and which parts of it you will not accept. If you truly believe that this is the word of God, then you must accept all of it as applicable to your life, all of it as being true. This is God's message. And as God's message, we are to obey it. If you trust God and believe this is his word, then you are to obey what the Bible says. You are to accept all of it as his true word of God. Just this week, somewhat ironically, I saw on Facebook two separate people asking for a plumber. Two different people needed a recommendation on a plumber. A couple of years ago, after moving here uh, to Conway, I needed a plumber and I asked Glenn Crockett for whatever reason. I don't know why. I was in a conversation with him and I, and I asked him and he told me the name of a plumber. And since that time, I have always used this same plumber and he's been a really great plumber. And then on uh, Facebook, in both occasions, when somebody asked about it, I just said the name of that guy. That is my plumber. Not once after living here in Conway have I ever uh, price checked or Yelp checked or Google checked any other plumber. This is the plumber. Why? Not primarily because he's a great plumber, although he is, but because Glenn told me to use this guy. And so I just used this plumber and I told him these other two people to use the plumber. I know one of them called that plumber, right? And used that plumber. I'm not sure if the other one did. Perhaps they got a better recommendation or perhaps they don't trust my views on plumbers. You know, like what does a preacher know about plumbers, you know? So maybe they went with a different plumber. All of that is fine. But the, the point is when it comes to plumbing or anything else like that, that we just trust messages that are delivered to us because of the messenger who gave it to us. In the same way, when it comes to the Bible, I trust that it is God's word. And because I truly do believe that it's God's word, then I believe all of it as God's word and accept it and apply it to my lives. See, the reality is either you accept all of it or you don't believe that it is God's word. If you decide that you can divide it up and accept different parts of it, then you're going to have to make the argument that you do not believe that the whole of the Bible is God's word. So what we know, what we believe as a church, as Christians, as Baptists, is that the Bible has been passed down. It is to us complete and it is preserved that it is truly the word of God. That is preservation and what we call inerrancy. And when you think about that, you are really put into a position. Everyone hearing me on this, everyone is put into a decision. You have to make a decision. If you believe this is the true word of God preserved and passed down to you, then you have to decide whether or not you will live by it, whether or not you will believe it. Look at that last and final phrase there. It says, which also works effectively in you who believe. They took this word of God and they applied it to their lives. They actually lived it out. I don't think we could find one person in this room Maybe wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. But I don't think we could find one person in this room or one person that met last hour or in the next hour who would not say that they believe that the Bible is God's word or that they believe that the Bible is true. I don't know that we would find anybody that says, you know what? I don't think I believe the Bible. 
I don't believe the Bible. I don't think we would find anybody that says that. The problem is that even though we couldn't find anyone who would, who would deny that the Bible is the word of God, we can find a lot of people who don't live like it is the word of God. If the Bible is true, and if we believe that it is the word of God, then it would change what we do. Our beliefs determine what we will do. They also determine what we will not do. So if you believe that the Bible is God's word, and that it is true, and that it is authoritative in your life, then you will do what it teaches. This means that it applies to your affections, to your pride, to your goals, to your money that you will not forsake the assembling of the saints, that you will come to church, that you will worship with the church because God told you to do that, that you will sacrifice financially for the mission and the ministry of Jesus through the local church. Why? Because God told you to do that. You will love your neighbor. You will love your enemy the same way that you love yourself. Why? Because God told us to do that. That we would go forth and, and regardless of the sacrifice, regardless of the expense, we would make sure that the gospel of Jesus Christ goes around the world. That people are baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that Jesus has told us to do. Why? Because we believe that God told us to do these things. They will affect your life. You will live your life based on these things. If your life is not based on the Bible— then you really have to question whether or not you actually believe the Bible is God's word. That's just simple logic. For some time, uh, a couple of coworkers and I, we had planned on this um, coworker staff sort of kayak trip. I haven't gone kayaking in a while, super busy, all the normal things that keep you from doing things that you love. And so we put it down. We put this date down. We RSVP to it. We were going to go kayaking for last Friday. This last Friday. We, we had decided that like a month ago, right? This last Friday, we were going to go kayaking. And so as it got closer and closer, I started to check the weather app. And the weather here is frustrating, to say the least, right? I'm checking this weather app, and like, like a week ago, it said that Friday was going to be 70 degrees and sunny. That's what it said. I have screenshots, all right? It said that. I was about to call the Weather Channel and let them know, you know? And then like Monday, it said that we were going to die of thunderstorms. But Tuesday, don't worry, the thunderstorms are gone, right? And the percentages went from like 80% to 20% to, to 95% to 142% that it is, it is definitely going to rain on Friday. So it became a game time decision. So the Friday morning we were going to wake up and the weather app said we are going to die of thunderstorms and it was cold, right? So we punted. We didn't go on Friday. Listen, you cannot plan your life based on Arkansas weather. You cannot. The only reliable predictor of Arkansas weather is you sticking your head out the window. That is the only way you're going to know what the weather is like here in central Arkansas. But you can determine your life based on the Bible, which is actually the true word of God that has been preserved and kept for us throughout history, that it is effective, that it works effectively in our lives. You can base that on the, on the truth of the Bible and the thing that reveals to us Jesus. And speaking of Jesus, listen, we hold this Bible to be a treasure because it is preserved 
because it is God's word, because it is effective in ordering our lives. But most of all, we hold the Bible to be a treasure of, uh, of, of supreme value because it is through this that we are introduced to, that we learn about, that we grow to love the person, Jesus. This is how we know Jesus. This is how we know what he taught, his life and his ministry. The Bible gives to us Jesus. And so for that reason, it is an extreme value. The most basic message of the Bible is that humanity is broken and that we live in brokenness and that God will judge us because we have broken all of creation. And yet Jesus, the person Jesus, took that penalty upon himself. And that if we respond by trusting Jesus, then, then we are forgiven of that penalty, that we are saved, that if we look at Jesus and, and receive him into our minds, if we welcome him into our hearts, if we believe him in a way that changes our lives, then we are saved. So the question is, do you believe Jesus? Do you trust Jesus? Do you receive him? Do you welcome him? Do you believe Jesus? One side note, and maybe this is my fault. Maybe I should have told you guys more about this. But we have at this church a, what's called a faith statement. It takes our basic doctrines and lays them all out. We've adopted it from our greater Baptist network of churches called the Southern Baptist Convention or Great Commission Baptist. That document is called the Baptist Faith and Message 2000. All right. I know that sounds like a sci-fi movie, but it's not, all right? It's the Baptist faith in Massachusetts. We've had three revisions of it, 25, 63, and in 2000. So you really don't have to put the 2000 part. We just do. I don't know why. But the Baptist faith and message, right? That is the way that, that summarizes what we believe. And you can Google it. You can look it up online. But what I thought I would do, to you, uh, do for you this morning is to share with you the first article the very first article of our simplified view, our simplified collection of doctrines. Can you imagine what it, what it deals with? The very first one is Scripture. Why? Because it is the fountainhead. It is by it, the Scriptures, that we understand all the other things. It is the way that God has communicated to us. It looks long. It's not that long. Let me read it to you. The Holy Bible was written by men divinely inspired and is God's revelation of himself to man. It is a perfect treasure of divine instruction. It has God for its author, salvation for its end and truth, without any mixture of error for its matter. Therefore, all scripture is totally true and trustworthy. It reveals the principles by which God judges us and therefore is and will remain to the end of the world the true center of Christian union the supreme standard by which all human conduct, creeds, and religious opinions should be tried. All scripture is a testimony to Christ, who is himself the focus of divine revelation. This is what we believe about the Bible. You can see those green phrases there. Those are all phrases that directly relate to what we've already talked about. These are the doctrines of the Bible, that it is preserved, that it is true, inerrant, and that it is sufficient for our lives. We believe that about the Bible. And so what I want to call you to do this morning is to treasure the Word of God. 
I want you to walk out of here today treasuring the Bible in a renewed way. That the understanding that the thing that you hold in your hands is supremely valuable. The thing that is laying on your lap, the thing that you are reading on the screen is supremely valuable. And so how do we treasure the Bible? The first thing that we can do is read the Bible. I encourage you to read your Bible every day. Two verses, 22 verses, it doesn't matter. Read your Bible every day. And if you miss one, don't miss two days, right? Read your Bible. And so a couple of tools that might help you with that is this. First of all, we have these daily discipleship guides. That's what we call them. And they're available in the lobby. We put these out every quarter, all right? You can just go by and grab one. And in them, they have little daily Bible readings. In fact, there's five, so you get two days off, all right, um, from reading your Bible. Read something else, okay, um, in the Bible. But here's how, here's how much it is to read. This says to read, on this day, you're going to read 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 6 through 8, underlining the last sentence of verse 8. Then you've got one paragraph helping you to understand it. You've got a key doctrine there, and then a question. This is a very easy, efficient, good way for you to read your Bible every day. These are available out there. We put them out every quarter, like I said. They're $5 if you want to, all right? So if you don't have $5 or you don't want to give $5 or, you know, you say, I tithe and that goes for that, perfect, all right? Just take one. If you don't put $5 in that bucket and you take one, you are not stealing, all right? Take it. We want you to have these. Take it, all right? And that will help you um, read your Bible. There's also, this thing has a memory verse. These things are awesome, all right? And it goes the same pattern and then the same rhythm that I teach from, all right? So this week you would be reading 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. So that's an amazing way to do it. Another way to do it, if you, maybe you do that and you want something a little bit more, I read, um, I, I am currently, and I have before, read one called E100. It's called Essential 100. And it's free online. If you Google it, Essential 100. If you picture the Bible like mountaintops and valleys, there's stories in there. The valleys are like uh, the bagats, bagats, bagats. You know, the genealogies, those kind of things that are like really dry and hard to get through. Look, preachers think the same thing, all right? And so those are the valleys. And the mountain peaks would be like the... Like, uh, and then the boy killed the giant, you know, or, you know, that kind of stuff. The E100 is the 100 mountaintops, all right? You just read the, what we would think is the most interesting portions of it. And so 100 days, sometimes it's like, uh, you know, four chapters, all of Jonah was one day, but it's really short. So that's a really cool uh, way to do it. So we're going to treasure the Word of God by reading our Bibles. Try to do that, right? Oh, also, I forgot to say this earlier. God does not expect you to be perfect at any of this. But if you believe it is the word of God, then he expects you to try at all of this. All right, so read your Bible. The second thing is to actually study your Bible. Actually study it, all right? Think deeply about it. Dig into it. You might be like, well, how do I do that? Like, I don't know where to start, all right? You know, I don't know this kind of stuff. Well, one of my suggestions for you is to get a study Bible. The CSB Study Bible is literally one of my favorite. I read it myself. Get a CSB Study Bible. Another one where the notes themselves are really great is the ESV Study Bible. Phenomenal. Really a great study Bible. There's a bunch of things that are free online. If you ask me later, I'll tell you 
where to get them all free online. Um, there's also a Faith Life Study Bible that's only digital. And that one, to be honest with you, is my very favorite one. So Faith Life Study Bible is a, a phenomenal one as well. So you get that. And so you'll read a little bit and then you read the notes and you'll study it. You'll, you'll just kind of learn a little bit more about it. Here's another thing that I thought we could do. The, you see this little book? Super small, all right? Not a whole lot of words. There are no pictures either, but there's not a whole lot of words, all right? And I want to encourage y'all to read this. And here's what I thought we could do. This book is called Why Trust the Bible uh, by Greg Gilbert, all right? Do you guys know Mike Argo? Does everybody in here know Mike Argo? Uh, he's a member of our church. His kids go to Greg's church in Louisville. And I don't know why that makes you trust Greg more, but it's like, you know, it's like family kind of, you know, um, big convention, small world. And so anyways, little book like this. And I bought three copies of this, one for each service. And I put this piece of paper in here. And so what you do after the service, if you want to, you come up here and there's a name and a phone and email column. So write your name and your phone or email, whichever one you're comfortable giving other people. Put that down in there. And then at the end of the day, we'll just call the person who's at the first in the list. And then you read the book. And then you call or email the, the second person and you just kind of mark it off and pass it on, all right? This shouldn't take you longer than like a week or two weeks. Don't keep this thing for like three and a half years and then try to email that person and be like, hey, I'm done, I got to it, you know. Um, so pass that on. I've got a pin up here right after the service. You can come do this. I bought one for each service, all right? So we'll just kind of, I thought that would be a cool way. It's also nine bucks on Kindle or 12 bucks if you want to order it yourself. It came to me in one day, all right? So Read your Bible, study your Bible, and then finally, live the Bible in community. Listen, one of the big things in the Bible, one of the big concepts is that we were not meant to be alone, right? From the very first pages. It is not good that humanity is alone. Man is alone. And then when you get to the New Testament, there's tons of one another passages. Love one another. Strengthen one another. Encourage one another. Tell one another when they're doing something stupid. That's not in there, but it's implied, right? There's all these one another's, and you're going to need another in order to do the one another's. Here at our church, we do that in small groups. We do that in small groups. And so here's a couple of small groups that I want you guys to check out. We've been emphasizing these uh, for the last several weeks. These are three options. If these options fit you, you can try those out. That's when they meet right up there at the top, 930 and room 209, etc. You can try those out. If those don't fit you, there's a table in the lobby. You can go by there and there'll be other options for you. You need one another in order to live the Bible out. Read the Bible, study the Bible, live the Bible. If you were like, pastor, just give me one thing. What, what is the one thing I need to do? It's this. Go get one of these, read them every day, and then go to your small group and talk about it. It's simple. It's easy. We've made it as easy as you possibly can imagine. So go and do that. That's how we treasure the Bible. Read the Bible, study the Bible, live the Bible. You remember the, at the beginning of the hour when I talked about David who had a 23-pound meteor doorstop worth $100,000? Uh, of course you do. It wasn't, it wasn't that long ago. Um, you know that rock that he has, that meteor that he has, it's worth $100,000. If, right? We all know this. If someone is willing to pay him $100,000, which as far as I could find and I read and I tried to find, he's still looking for a buyer. So if you're in the market for a $100,000 rock, I know a guy, all right? I know a guy. 
So at this point, he has a treasure, but it really means next to nothing, right? He has a doorstop is what he has. It's much different than the three French stonemasons who in 2019 were working on a home. They were renovating a home. And in the wall of the home, as the stories go, they found a tin box, a little metal box. And in the box were uh, coins, were all of these coins. Some of the coins were dated back into the 1600s. So they took those coins to an auction house. They auctioned them off and they were worth over $1.2 million. They sold those and split up, split up the profit. There is a huge difference, a massive difference between having a treasure and it not making any difference in your life and having a treasure that changes your life forever. All of us have a Bible. You have a treasure. If you don't have a Bible, literally right after the service, I have several. I'll give you one. I'll give you one of the Bibles. You can have a treasure. But it means literally nothing unless it changes your life. I hope it does. Thank you for listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist. We hope that we will see you in person this next Sunday. To find more information about service times, location, and ministry offerings, visit mysecond.family. Thank you for listening.